Hello everyone and welcome to the November 12th edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folson, attorney with Floyd Scarron Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. So let's get started with our crime report. A Los Gatos psychiatric QME has been disciplined by the DWC. Perry Roy Seagal, MD, is a 1976 graduate of Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and is certified by the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology. He was licensed as a California physician and surgeon in June 1980 and is listed as a QME in psychiatry with an office at 250 Blossom Hill Road in Los Gatos. The DWC disciplined physicians list shows that his QME certification has been revoked with the revocation stayed. He was placed on probation through October 18, 2019, concurrent with the medical board probation and discipline order. The accusation filed against Dr. Seagal in July 2015 claimed he engaged in unprofessional conduct amounting to gross negligence and repeated negligent or incompetence in the care and treatment of a patient identified by the initials T.D., he had been treating this patient for depression and anxiety, allegedly stemming in part from a possible work-related injury since March 1999. In 2013, the medical board received a complaint from a pharmacist at the Fox Army Health Center in Redstone Arsenal, Alabama, regarding Dr. Siegel's prescriptions of pain medication to this patient. The pharmacist said that the patient was receiving prescriptions for Percocet from Dr. Seagull, which she filled in Alabama, but that patient also filled other pain medication prescriptions in California, and it appeared that Dr. Seagull was prescribing pain medications and performing pain management without conducting proper physical examinations. The pharmacist tried to discuss the situation with Dr. Seagal, but he was uncooperative and evasive, telling her that the patient was a family friend. Ultimately, the Fox Army Health Center refused to fill additional prescriptions for this patient, T.D. Pharmacy and medical records show that Dr. Seagal prescribed various doses and quantities of Demerol, Percocet, Valium, Ambien, diluted Soma and Xanax to this patient, while during this time the patient also received pain medications from at least four other doctors. Seagal admitted to the medical board that he had prescribed pain medications to the patient for at least a decade and that he did so as a stopgap measure to support her when she had difficulty getting pain medications from others. Dr. Seagal admitted that in the more than 10 years of prescribing her pain medication, he had never checked with the patient's other doctors to ensure that she was not receiving pain medication from multiple providers. He also admitted that he had never checked the Controlled Substance Utilization Review and Evaluation System, known as CURES, to verify her claims that she could not get pain medication. During his interview with the board, he admitted that he did not even know that the Cures database existed. And Dr. Siegel and his attorney signed a stipulated settlement of the disciplinary charges with the California Medical Board. 
And a convicted orthopedist has been arrested for duping California's utilization review providers for years. Spiros Panos, MD, was an orthopedic surgeon practicing in New York. For years, he seemed like a successful orthopedic surgeon, seeing dozens of patients a day and bringing in millions of dollars in fees for his suburban New York medical group. But behind the scenes, he was inflating charges and billing for surgeries he did not perform, perpetuating a years-long fraud that culminated in a guilty plea in federal court in 2013. He surrendered his license to practice medicine following his conviction for health care fraud. And in 2014, Dr. Panos began serving a 54-month prison sentence and was released in 2016 to a halfway house and then about a month later to home confinement. He also faced more than 250 malpractice lawsuits, including some claiming that he botched surgeries. It did not take him long to get into trouble again. But even as he was waiting to be sentenced, federal prosecutors say Panos was beginning a new criminal scheme that would go undetected for years until he was arrested again last April. He is now charged with wire fraud, health care fraud, and aggravated identity theft in connection with a scheme in which he assumed the identity of a licensed orthopedic surgeon and obtained over $860,000 in payments for reviewing patient files in workers' compensation cases. After Panos pled guilty back in 2013, and before he surrendered to serve his sentence in 2014, a company called Excel O LLC was formed by his family member who is not a licensed physician. Panos allegedly used this company to hide his identity and assume, assume the stolen identity of another physician to dupe utilization review companies who evaluated cases nationwide. In this new case, prosecutors say Panos defrauded six utilization review companies for $860,000 using a fake Google email address, the shell company registered in the name of his family member, and the credentials of another physician. He is charged with infiltrating an obscure but essential piece of the American healthcare business, a $4 billion industry that provides independent doctors to render expert opinions through utilization review. He has pled not guilty to the charges. Thousands of patients have received notices from several insurance companies that Panos has posed as another doctor in order to review their medical records in coverage disputes. At least 2,500 people nationwide were affected, but the full reach of the alleged fraud has not yet been made public. Two of the review companies are Advanced Medical Reviews and Network Medical Review, both subsidiaries of a company called ExamWorks, which was acquired by a private equity firm for $2 billion in 2016. At least one company, Gallagher Bassett, told California authorities last August that nearly 1,300 workers' compensation claims in the state may have been affected through vendors who hired Panos. And in regulatory news, the Bureau of Labor Statistics is part of the United States Department of Labor. 
It is the principal fact-finding agency for the U.S. government in the broad field of labor economics and statistics and serves as a principal agency of the U.S. federal statistical system. This week, it published the first in a series of two news releases covering occupational safety and health statistics for 2017. A second release in December will provide results from the Census of Fatal Occupational Injuries of all fatal work injuries occurring in the U.S. during the calendar year. According to its report, there were about 2.8 million non-fatal workplace injuries and illnesses reported by private industry employers in 2017. And the good news, private industry employers reported nearly 45,800 fewer non-fatal injury and illness cases in 2017 compared to a year earlier. The 2017 rate of total recordable cases fell 0.1 cases per 100 full-time employee workers to continue a pattern of declines that occurred annually since 2004, except for the year 2012. Among the 19 private industry sectors, only manufacturing and finance and insurance experienced statistically significant changes in their overall rates of non-fatal injuries and illnesses in 2017, each decline compared to 2016. The median days away from work, a key measure of the severity of cases, was 8 in 2017, unchanged from 2016. And Ricardo Lara, a Democratic California state senator known for his health for all legislation, is likely the winner of the race for California Insurance Commissioner's post. The California Secretary of State reports that Lara has the lead over Steve Posner by 50.8% to 49.2%. Lara has represented California's 33rd district in the state since 2012. Voters gave him a narrow lead over Steve Poisner, a former California insurance commissioner who ran as an independent. Laura supports universal, comprehensive health coverage for all Californians. As a state senator, Laura wrote the Health for All Kids Act, which extended the state's Medicaid program, Medi-Cal, to cover about 250,000 California children in families that have trouble documenting the children's immigration status. Lara later co-introduced SB 562, a bill that could create a single-payer health care system for California. The Senate passed the proposed single-payer law, SB 56, by a 23-14 vote in June 2017. The California Assembly Speaker declined to have the Assembly act on the bill, commenting that the bill was incomplete. Lara is expected to work with the incoming Governor Gavin Newsom and the state legislature on health care, a top issue in voter polling. Lara was endorsed by outgoing California Governor Jerry Brown, as well as by the Union of Healthcare Professionals and the United Farm Workers of America. <clears throat> The California Insurance Commissioner adopted and issued a revised advisory pure premium rate, lowering the cost benchmark for workers' compensation insurance effective January 1. The Commissioner has reduced the advisory pure premium rate by about 42% since January 2015. 
the indicated advisory peer premium rate level of $1.63 per $100 of payroll just approved by the commissioner is about 23.5% lower than the industry filed average peer premium rate of $2.13 as of this July. The commissioner renewed his call on workers' compensation insurers to pass along these savings to employers. The commissioner's decision is an advisory pure premium rate that is actually below the $1.70 average rate recommended by the WCIRB in its filing. He issued the advisory rate after a public hearing and careful review of the testimony and evidence submitted by stakeholders. The pure premium rate is only advisory as the legislature has not given the insurance commissioner rate authority over workers' compensation rates. The WCIRB's peer premium advisory rate filing demonstrated continued decreases in costs in California workers' compensation insurance market. The peer premium advisory rate reduction is based on insurers' cost data through June 30th of this year. Insurers' net costs in the workers' compensation system continued to decline as a result of SB 863, SB 1160, and AB 1244 enacted by the legislature and signed by Governor Jerry Brown. The WCIRB notes continued favorable medical loss development, including acceleration in claim settlement. And the WCIRB has also released the California Workers' Compensation Aggregate Medical Payments Trends Report, comparing medical payments information from 2015 to 2017. The WCIRB analysis is based on medical payment data representing 92% of the California workers' compensation insurance market. Overall, there was a cumulative 8% reduction in medical payments per claim between 2015 and 2017, comparable to the two-year reduction of 10% between 2014 and 2016. The decline in paid per claim was largely driven by the declines in utilization with paid transactions per claim declining by 8%. The downward trend reflects a continuation of the savings generated by the reforms to the medical care delivery enacted by SB 863 in 2012, anti-fraud efforts, and the continued sharp decline in pharmaceutical costs. There were sharp declines in the average paid per transaction for pharmaceuticals of 24%, of pharmacies of 28%, and of pharmacists of 27%, since 2015. This continues to be a result of reductions in the prescribing of controlled substances, reduced physician office dispensing, implementation of the federal upper limits on prescription drug prices, as well as the continued shift from brand to generic drugs. These reductions predate the implementation of the new drug formulary implemented this January with Assembly Bill 1124. There were sharp decreases in the share of workers' compensation claims with any opioid prescription from 18.2% in 2015 down to 11.6% in 2017. The medical payments on the claims with at least one opioid prescription were, on average, more than three times higher than those on the claims without opioid prescriptions. 
common non-opioid analgesics and topicals, topical corticosteroids, and other medications sometimes used to relieve pain, such as anticonvulsants and central muscle relaxants, experienced a combined increase of 4.8%. On the other hand, opioid agonists, opioid partial agonists, and opioid combinations totaled a 2.8% decrease in their share of pharmaceutical payments. There was a significant change in the mix of medical legal services in 2017. The share of ML-104 evaluations, the most comprehensive and expensive service transactions, declined by 22.7%, while that for ML-102-102 evaluations, the most basic medical evaluation, increased by 426 This resulted in an average 8% decline in the average cost of a medical legal report in 2017, following a number of years of increases. The procedural code set related to physical medicine and rehabilitation was the greatest gainer between 2016 and 17 and received the second largest amount of payments. The full report is available in the research section of the WCIRB website. Governor Brown signed AB 2334 into law last summer. The new law requires that as part of occupational injury and illness reporting, employers additionally file specified injury and illness forms electronically with Cal-OSHA no later than February 1 of each year. And it requires Cal-OSHA to develop a searchable database for one of those forms relating to summary information on its website. And it further requires Cal-OSHA to post those forms on the database within 90 days of its receipt. The new law seems to have been triggered by federal initiatives to reduce employer reporting requirements. The federal OSHA adopted the Improve Tracking of Workplace Injuries and Illness Rule in 2016. This rule also required electronic submission of certain occupational injury and illness reports. However, federal OSHA issued a notice of proposed rulemaking to potentially relax these workplace injury and illness reporting requirements. In response to the federal initiative to reduce employer reporting requirements, California decided to pass a new law that went the other way, increase employer reporting requirements. The following employers must submit online the Form 300A covering calendar year 2017 by December 31. This would include all employers with 250 or more employees unless specifically exempted by the regulations. They must submit online the Form 300A. And also employers with 20 to 249 employees in specified industries that are listed in Appendix H of the emergency regulations. There are about 67 industries on this list in Appendix H. Examples include construction, manufacturing, wholesale trade, grocery and specialty food stores, and similar industries. Cal-OSHA will proceed with the formal rulemaking process to make the emergency regulations permanent by submitting the required documentation to the Office of Administrative Law. The rulemaking process will include a public comment period and public hearing. 
The dates for the comment period and public hearing will be posted on Cal OSHA's proposed regulation page. The California Division of Workers' Compensation announced that registration for its 26th annual educational conference is now open. The conference will take place between February 11 and 12 at the Los Angeles Airport Marriott and February 28 through March 1, 2019 at the Oakland Marriott City Center Hotel. Attendee, exhibitor, and sponsor registration forms may be downloaded from the conference website. This annual event is the largest workers' compensation training in the state and allows claims administrators, attorneys, medical providers, return-to-work specialists, employers, human resources, and others to learn firsthand about the most recent developments in the system. Attendees will be interested in learning about current topics from a variety of workers' compensation experts from the DWC, other state and public agencies, and the private sector. Organizations who would like to become sponsors of the DWC conference can do so by going to the website. The 2018 conference had 1,772 attendees and 128 exhibitors, so early registration is encouraged. The Travelers Insurance Company reports that it is exploring the use of wearable technology for improved job safety with Gilbane Building Company and Triax Technologies. Gilbane has been a part of the San Francisco Bay Area since 1995. It was founded in 1873 and still is a privately held family-owned company. Gilbane has 46 office locations worldwide and has built some of the most complex and celebrated construction projects in the nation. The company has been recognized for excellence in safety by the Construction Users Roundtable, CURT, and the Association of General Contractors of America, AGC. Triax Technologies Incorporated is a Connecticut-based technology company that develops and delivers IOT solutions for the construction industry. Its flagship SpotR system connects workers, equipment, and managers through a proprietary minimal infrastructure network, sensors, and a cloud-based dashboard. By providing real-time data-driven visibility into daily site operations and safety incidents, SpotR is changing the way construction companies manage resources information, and risk. Triax develops intelligent, actionable solutions that address the complexities of an active job site, and it helps firms streamline processes and build safer and smarter. The Travelers Companies announced a collaboration with Gilbane and Triax Technologies to explore the potential safety benefits of wearable devices. Travelers will review data collected from a variety of Triax SpotR Internet of Things devices, including those being used at a 60,000 square foot, six floor Gilbane construction site in New York City over 20 months. More than 130 employees will use the SpotR Clip, an unobtrusive device worn on the worker's waist belt. The SpotR Clip enables faster response times to possible injuries 
by automatically detecting worker falls and providing supervisors with real-time notification of worker location and other safety incident details. The Internet of Things device also includes a feature that allows workers to easily report hazards or incidents. On-site machinery will be fitted with a SPOT-R equip tag, which monitors equipment location and usage. Additionally, the site will have SPOT-R evac tags, which allow managers to trigger high-decibel, highly visible emergency alarms to workers by way of the dashboard. In 2016, travelers created the Early Severity Predictor, an industry-first predictive model that identifies the likelihood of an injured employee developing chronic pain so that he or she can reduce the need for opioids or other painkillers during recovery. The following year, the company launched ZoneCheck, a first-of-its-kind online tool to help contractors identify areas surrounding a job site that could be affected by vibrations from heavy equipment. Most recently, travelers introduced a digital self-service tool, My Travelers, for injured employees, which streamlines the workers' compensation claims process. And in medical news, when President Trump declared a public health emergency over the abuse of heavy-duty painkillers such as oxycodone and hydrocodone, he ordered all government agencies to take action. The FDA has received over 200 submissions from companies seeking a speedy approval process for their devices. These range from Stimwave's Halo to painkilling products made by Abbott Laboratories and other industry heavyweights as an alternative to opioids. The FDA has been increasingly reluctant to greenlight new opioids for market, but earlier this month approved a potent opioid-based painkiller from Excel RX Pharmaceuticals while placing tight restrictions on its distribution and use. The regulators' push for alternatives to opioids has helped drive interest from venture capital funds and institutional investors this year and firms promising to develop alternatives. For example, privately held Verpax Pharmaceuticals, which makes an aerosol spray that delivers a non-opioid pain drug, said it had four or five banks interested in running its series a investment round this summer versus just one in the past. Abbott, as well as its rivals, Boston Scientific Corporation and Nervo Corporation, makes neuromodulation implants which stimulate the nervous system to mask pain signals before they reach the brain. Abbott has submitted an entry for the competition in the hope it will slash waiting times, which often stretch several months just to get an initial meeting with the FDA. While neuromodulation is only a small part of Abbott's large medical device business, the unit is seen as a growth engine for the company. The company estimates that between 10 to 20 percent of the growth Abbott has seen in its neuromodulation business could be tied to doctors prescribing its devices for pain after surgery or from injury to patients that are opioid adverse. Boston Scientific did not apply for the contest, but the company is investing heavily in its neuromodulation unit, which has its fastest growing 
segment in nearly 23% of the last quarter. Although the FDA contest is limited to devices and app-based solutions for pain and addiction, the current regulatory climate is also conductive to companies developing opioid alternative pharmaceuticals. Drug makers, including Pfizer, Eli Lilly and Company, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, and Teva Pharmaceuticals Industries have been packing their pipelines with potential solutions to the crisis. And there are 120 non-opioid drugs under FDA review this year, up some 650% since 2013, according to business intelligence firm Informa. So that's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. We also publish a daily flash briefing on the Amazon Alexa Echo platform. Search for our workers' compensation news on Amazon. Again, I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd Scarin, Manuki, and Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.